الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Beloved brothers and sisters and elders in Islam, today I would like to speak about something that is not traditionally spoken about from the member. We have to remind ourselves, however, that everything that applies to the human condition, the rights of it, the wrongs of it, it is something that is suitable for the member. The reason for that is that Islam provides guidance in all matters. It even provides guidance as to how to go to the toilet. Here we are reminded that everything that we do, there's a right way to do it, there's a wrong way to do it, there's a way to pass the test, there's a way to fail the test. In the end, it is all a test. Allahu Akbar. So the topic I want to discuss today, inshallah, is deception in the Hajj and Umrah tour industry. The effects it is having on the Muslims and a moderate stance towards it, inshallah. As we have, or many of you might know, I've gone on Umrah recently. May Allah accept my Umrah, the Umrah of all of those that have gone. May Allah accept our efforts in His path. May Allah accept our du'as for ourselves, for others. May Allah grant you the opportunity to go, and if you had gone already, may Allah grant you the opportunity to go again and again, inshallah. During this December to January period, approximately 10,000 South African Mu'atamirun performed the Umrah. Internationally, the Saudi Embassy gave 5.4 million Umrah visas. Something to think about. Anyway, Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I spent nine days in Medina, which is where we went first. What a spiritual experience. Allahu Akbar. However, when we came to Makkah, performing the Umrah, Allahu Akbar, Allah accept, it was mad. It was mad by me returning to the hotel and finding certain people in Ihram crying. Now what exactly happened, I don't know. I'm going to say it as I asked, as I inquired, and I leave the truth in the hands of Allah. No names will be mentioned, but I don't need to. It's all over Voice of the Cape, and everybody's speaking about it. So I don't need to. So I'm asking about what is wrong with these people? Why are they crying? So I'm told they have no accommodation. They've come here, but they've got no accommodation. So immediately my heart goes out to them. What can I do to help and assist these people? But as I'm walking towards them, one lady walks away. And she says, as close as I can remember, I think I said, dug them. I will for us for tell what I'm to do. So now I'm looking in the direction of what is happening, and I see quite a large hatch operator. But I don't think she means dug them in the sense of physically. <laughs> Figurative, Kryptonian usage. I think I said, oh. I think I said, oh. So now I listen a bit. And I see him trying to tell them what to do next. But telling them that there are certain limitations as to what he can do. So initially my idea was, let's help them. Now I see he's trying to help them, but the reputation he's getting is being a dug them. Trying to tell them what to do. Then I told myself, see ya, the best thing is, don't get involved. Because very soon after this, the story will go in Cape, in Cape Town, 
Maar dan moet je eens in hij het die mensen ingevat, maar door die tevoorzien die, ze komen dat hij in was met een van die gatsoparitis. So I thought, okay, the best thing is, don't get involved. However, the problem is, the story was all over Makkah. The story was all over Makkah. And when I came back from the Hajj, or rather ma from the Umrah, the story was in Cape Town as well. People who came to collect me, people who came to my house, that was the story. When I came for Jumu'ah last week, then after Jumu'ah, we met one of the intended Mu'atamirun people who had intended to go for Umrah, but unfortunately they couldn't even leave Cape Town. In fact, the brother told us his family had personally put in 140,000 rand, and Allah knows best where the 140,000 rand is now. What did I learn immediately? Whether it was over there or over here. I learned number one, there are crooked Hajj and Umrah operators. Actually, I knew that one already. I relearned an old lesson. I thought it had ended. I thought when Saul came about and Satoa came about and what was the other one, Samta, came about, all of these organizations that are there to regulate the Hajj and Umrah tour operators, I thought there was an end to all of this. But it appears it is still around. According to what I read on Voice of the Cape, in excess of 138 pilgrims were not able to perform a successful Umrah or were deceived, and Allah knows best. That's the first thing. The second thing I learned was there was an excessive response, a response beyond what could be called moderate, a response that is israf, excess. In fact, there were two excessive responses. One on the one side of the fence and the other one on the opposite side of the fence. People who are anti, but too anti. And people who are pro, but too pro. So what is the modest stance in all of this? Let's discuss the, 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 the anti stance. Suddenly we have people that hate all Hajj operators. And the statement is, Hajj operators are sharks. As you see, I've found voting with a slang and a Hajj operator, we the years to do it, Mark. Suddenly the lawyer jokes became Hajj operator jokes. And lawyers are good people and there's goodness in that profession. And Hajj and Umrah operators are also good people. And there's goodness in that field as well. In fact, on Voice of the Cape, there is an article that speaks about Hajj to operators tricking people. And since one of the two people whose names are mentioned apparently is an imam of the mosque, of, of a mosque, we have the following statement. People are being led by their nose by the learned people. People are being led by their nose by the learned people. And the individual that said that forgets that he himself is a Hajj and Umar operator. People have an excessive stance towards you, so now you want to produce an excessive stance against the ulama. Here there is a simple statement. And the statement is this. Don't trust if you don't need to trust. Always take your precautions. What is the longest ayah in the Quran? Does it deal with salah? Does it deal with fasting? Does it deal with zakah? Does it deal with hajj? What does it deal with? It deals with business. And to be specific, it deals with debts. And what is it telling you? It's telling you record the debt. If there's some reason for a debt, then record it in writing. 
It is allowing you, yes. If you trust the man, fine, you don't need to record it. But its first advice is, record it. Record it. In Cape Town, if you ever loaned anybody anything, was there 100% repayment, repayment of your loan? Ask yourself. In fact, ask yourself this question. How many people do I owe? In fact, after the time, you can't even remember, isn't it? It means so little in your world that you've actually forgotten who you owe, what you owe. And Allah knows best. In fact, one man, he owed me a certain amount of money. Okay, let's be exact, 15,000 rand. And I was a youngster when he owed me this money. And suddenly, out of the blue, he dislikes me. And he's keeping himself distant. So one day I approach him, I say, Buta, what is it? What is it? What is it? Buta. Then he has the audacity to tell me, Zij verani ons veel geelie. Wat sê het me jou? Zij verani ons veel geelie. That is not how it works. Me asking for my money. It's you remembering that you owe. That is how it works. And we have this all over Cape Town. It's a problem. A man comes in and borrows my drill. I give him a brand new drill. He brings it back broken. I say, wat gaat dan aan my bro? He says, ach, is maar net dunia. It's not dunya, well it's my drill. Well it's my drill, it's your akhira. Well it's your drill, it's dunya. If another man breaks your drill, then you say, Muni warini my bro, as manet dunya. Then the statement is in its right place. But if you break another man's drill, you can't very well tell the man as manet dunya. Because at the end of the day, it's all dunya. So if I was a manet dunya, so what are you doing? As your akhira, my friend. It is your akhirah that is in question. Don't pull that trick. Qawlul haq yuradu bil batil. True statement, but with an evil intent. The intent is evil, so the statement is not in its place. And Allah knows best. So suddenly what do we have? People that light all hajj operators and all tour operators. And even if the man's price is high, then the idea is, he's a scalum. And that's also a standard thing in Cape Town. If you can buy a bread here for 8 rand and there for 10 rand, then I just kill them. Thus you find, if you want hajj, the soap that is available over there for 80 reals is available in another place for 40 reals. Market the eerste man is kill them. In fact, if you go to the 5 real shop, wow, surprises. Surprises. But there are other can get it. But no 5 reals. That doesn't make a man a thief. Prices are controlled by supply and demand, not by your concept of morality. And that is something that we will have a look at, and Allah knows best. Right? So people are discussing this. And we have one excess, people have gone totally contrary and against Hajj operators. On the other side, we have people who are defending the Hajj operators. They never make a mistake. Even these people now, they have apparently conned people in excess of 2 million rin, according to certain reports. Even these people, there are excuses coming out for them. The one excuse that really makes me sick is people saying, Man, the Prophet of Allah said, Man satara Muslim, man satara Allahu yawm al qiyamah. He who conceals a Muslim, Allah will conceal him on the day of qiyamah. Again, the hadith is authentic. The question is, what did the Prophet mean? Ulama discuss this and they say, if a man has a personal sickness, a personal sin, 
and you discover his personal sin, then yes, admonish him. Al-amru bil-ma'roof munkar Command the good, prohibit the evil. But do not expose him to the public. His sin is a private sin. So if Allah, if you conceal that man in his private sin, Allah will conceal your sins on the day of Qiyamah. But brothers, you need to understand, if a man is already committing the sin in public, it is not your obligation to conceal him. He has already exposed himself. As a man, if a man walks down the road drinking khamar, I got the right to tell other people, I said, drunkie. Ek sin form, I look so my every pat, I fang, I said, an. You got the right to do that. Because he has exposed himself. You conceal a man who conceals himself. And I've mentioned this in the previous Jumu'ah, that on the day of Qiyamah, Allah will say to people, you concealed yourself in the dunya, I will now conceal you today. And there will be no mention even of this. Actually, there will be a mention, but there will be no taking to account for it. And Allah knows best. So the law applies to us as well. Secondly, if some people are robbing and conning other people for a fact, then also we are not under obligation to conceal it. In fact, Allah will reward us if we convey it to others. Put it on TV and say, on TV, don't go for hajj with this guy. He's a crook. If somebody is coming around and selling paint and half of the tin is sand, then I should be telling my fellow Muslims, don't buy a guy who sells paint by your door. That's a risky business. And that brother, Sanama Su and Su, don't buy from him. Because last time I bought from him, this is what happened. That there is not exposing him. He has exposed himself by harming the Ummah. So he must be exposed. That's the first issue. So we put that in its place, inshallah. The second issue, some people say, Maskin was I busy with some sort of a pyramid scheme. The way it's for me, like, no? I praise you, they have frarat as payalah. Very low. So what I think he did was, he took maybe 50 hujatu mu'tamirun, then he took the money of 45, and he paid for five. What the hope inshallah that he'll get sponsors up afterwards. In fact, I went to his Facebook page, and he said he only needs 85,000 rand for the remainder. So that is what I think. What did he do? Who told you that? Jibreel himself. Did Wahi end or is it still continuing with you? If that man told you like that, then you can say that. But don't speculate and don't assume. Focus on what is known. Another issue, and this is even more possible than the first. How it appears to me is that they had chartered a plane. And they gave him a special discount price. But he had to pay in the monies by a certain date. And then unfortunately he didn't make the date. And then the price went up. Also possible. But what evidence have you got? Now there's an answer to this. I will be discussing the answer just after that. If you find yourself in such a predicament, I'm a Hajj and tour operator. And that is actually what happened to me. What should I do? Run away. Make sure nobody knows where I am. And if people sit and wait for more than two point something million, is that the right thing to do? Can we all agree that that's not the right thing to do? We'll give an answer as to what Islam would want you to do. And you can speculate beyond that. But the one thing we need to know is running away and nobody knows where's the money. And I've told the whole world I'm going for Umrah and I have to tell them, Sorry, man. 140 days and down the drain. Allah knows best what happens next. 
So this is how things stand. What are the Islamic directives? And what is the conclusion that we can draw? Number one, I've already mentioned this. Yes, we must conceal somebody's personal sins. But not sins they commit in the public, nor sins they commit against the public. Easy way to remember. Number two, stick to known truths. Either that which is definitive or that which is probable. And understand this. If there's definite knowledge, probable knowledge is of no good use. In the absence of definite knowledge, probable knowledge is worth something. But in the presence of definite knowledge, probable knowledge is not good at all. So Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Yunus, verse 36, Inna dhanna la min al shay'an. The word dhan is used in the Quran sometimes for assumptions, speculation, guessing. And it is also used in the sense of probable knowledge. And here Allah says that probable knowledge does not stand against haq, definitive knowledge. I think that is the obvious truth. Shay'an, in any little way, it doesn't stand. If we have definitive knowledge, the definitive knowledge here is people gave money. They didn't go for Umrah. They didn't get their money back. That is definitive knowledge. We are still waiting to hear what actually happened. We are still waiting to hear from the two huts operators their full side of the story and when the people are going to get their money back. That is what we are still waiting to hear. So stick to the truth. Don't speculate. Don't assume. Thirdly, you must understand that you are a Muslim first. Whatever else you think you are, you are that second. Even when you consider yourself a moral being, you must understand that your understanding of morality comes second to the laws of Islam. So the laws of Islam comes first, your understanding of morality comes second. If you say, for example, as haram a murderer, a 100% prophet mark, now that's your understanding of morality. Where did you get that? Which ayah in the Quran says that? Which hadith says that? Where did you get that? Again, there is no such thing as a maximum and profit. Profit is what? Profit is brought under control by supply and demand. If you're saying I can't make 100% on a thing, then if somebody gives me something for free, I can never sell it. Even if I sell it for a half a cent, as murderers are 100% profit. Because I got it for zero. And I actually know people who say, if somebody gave you a thing as a gift, you can't. You can't even copy. Variance. Your sense of morality. Quote me the ayah. Quote me the hadith. Tell me the alim that said that. There's no alim that says that. That's you. Or it's your people. It's the custom and tradition of your people. It's your concept of morality, but it has absolutely nothing to do with Islam. Yes, the Prophet of Allah said that the true businessman, the man who sells and the man who buys, is the one that is generous. May Allah shower with mercy that Muslim, Samhan ida ba'ah wa Samhan ida He is generous when he buys and he is generous when he sells. And Allah knows best. Fourthly, when you are in a financial pickle in relation to another human being, due to whatever reason, you borrowed money from the man, or you took money from the man because you're going to buy him a car, or you're going to send him for Hajj or Umrah, 
whatever deal you gave, gave the men, if suddenly you are unable to give the deal, there are two things, two things that is always available to you. Number one, do what you can. Number one, do what you can. Number two, communicate. Let's try that in something else. Somebody loans from me 10,000 rand. He says that he will pay me back 1,000 rand a month. The first three months it went well. 1,000 rand, 1,000 rand, 1,000 rand. Fourth month, nothing. I don't hear from him. Fourth month, nothing. I don't hear from him. Six months, nothing. I don't hear from him. Then I go and I ask him. Then he tells me, because problems, man. Can you afford them for your days in Arantahini? Apply the first law. If you can't give a thousand rand, there's something you can give, isn't it? You can't give a thousand rand if you give 800 rand, or a 600 rand, or a 400 rand, or a 300 rand, or a 100 rand. There must be something you can give. But now what do you give? You give results. Nothing. Number two, you don't communicate. So what must I tell myself? All I got to tell myself is, Jay is a thief. You're a thief. Because you're not paying me what you promised, and I don't hear anything from you. So two things you can always do when you are in a financial pickle. Number one, do what you can. Number two, communicate. Prat. Or says, amal means. We are all human beings. We all suffer financial difficulties. So come to the man and speak to the man. Tell the man, this is all I can manage this month. Maybe next month or the month after that, I will pay the normal amount plus the back. Inshallah. As Allah gives you a bad day, Allah also gives you a good day. In al-ayyama da'ira. How does the statement go? Wallahu. Oh, sorry. Tilka al-ayyama nudawiduha bayna al-nas. Those are the days that we remove, revolve amongst the people. Okay, we're full Jumu'ah on this. Yawmun laka wa yawmun alik. A day in your favor and a day against you. So if it's my day of favor and I stand with a man that is in disfavor that day, is in difficulty that day, we are all so sorted. And when it's his day of favor and my day of difficulty and he stands with me, then we are all sorted. But we don't want to do that. We leave it to the insurance companies. They are using that principle now. And they are getting rich of you. While you could have been doing it for yourself. You could have been doing it for yourself. Pulling your money together and looking after each other. Now you're leaving it for them. And they're getting rich. Allahu Akbar. And you're going to have to pay them for as long as you have that car. As long as you have that house. And by the way, what is the Islamic ruling on insurance? Right. First issue. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. One of my fellow teachers at the Madrasa in Darul Arabiya al-Islamiya in Strand told me that he read in this one kitab that Abdullah ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, that famous Sahabi, the leader of all the Quranic exegetes, that man, the Prophet of Allah, may do all for him. Allah mafaqihu fi deen. Allah grant him understanding of deen. He says that he read in a kitab that he was married to a lady. And from the day where he married the lady, for some period after that, he couldn't find any defect in her. Any defect in her. And then he talaked her. When others asked him, so why did you talak her? Then he told them, there's a serious problem here. And the time I find out about this problem, it's going to hurt me very bad. 
So before it eats me, I'm rather going to release her. Because you don't get the perfect woman. And somehow at this moment in time, she appears to be utterly perfect. Now, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not on his level of piety. But I can see the principle that he was applying. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. That's what he was telling himself. This is too good to be true. Perfect woman, perfect man. No, 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 no. This is too good to be true. Yeah, you must understand that the Prophet's wife was married to the Prophet of Allah, Khairul Bariya, the best of all creation. The most perfect man that ever walked the earth. But there were days when they were upset with him, isn't it? Didn't the Prophet tell his wife, Aisha Rilana, I know when you're angry with me. When you're not angry with me, and you take an oath, you say, Warabbi Muhammad, by the Lord of Muhammad. But when you're angry with me, then you say, Warabbi Musa, by the Lord of Musa. Warabbi Ibrahim, by the Lord of Ibrahim. And then she smiled at the Prophet and said, O oh, Prophet of Allah, I avoid you only in your name. I avoid you only in your name. Meaning when I'm upset with you, I don't mention your name. But beyond that, I don't ill-treat you. May Allah make us husbands like that. May Allah make us wives like that, inshallah, honorable. So if it's too good to be true, it probably is. What you need to do when you go for that journey, that spiritual journey that you've been saving for 20, 30 years, is you need to stick to the well-known and you need to stick to the trusted, what the trusted. Yes, you can retaliate and say, yes, the one Hajj and Umrah operator was a new guy, but the other guy been around for long. Yeah, he, he's been around for long, but not as a tour operator, as a matouf, mutawif. He worked for that company and he worked for that company and now eventually started his own. So him being a Hajj and Umrah operator, they're there. That was a new thing. That wasn't tried and trusted. Him being a matouf, mutawif, that's an old thing. So trusting him as a mutawif, that you could have done. But now when you go with the new, you go with the risk. That's one of the reasons why the price tends to be lower. Yeah, I must tell you, my dear brothers, there is a non-profit organization that takes people for Hajj and Umrah, known as Khidmatul Awam. Anybody that has a price that is significantly lower than their price, and they're offering the exact same services, then you must start thinking to yourself, who is the possible non-profit profit in Numadri? He Marcus Kelly, Marcus Kelly, no, but Marcus and Madrid. But play who? Net, a Kalio here, a Kalio there. That's all that remains. Because it's profit, non profit. What's the third category? After non profit, what remains? Losses, yeah. That's what remains. So Allah knows best. If you go to Voice of the Cape, they give you a list of people that are approved by the Saudi government as well. Right at the top, you'll find Flywell and Anwa, etc., etc. So these people are considered tried and trusted. If you had problems with them, we understand it. Everybody has problems with everybody. There's nobody out there that is free from criticism. But I'm saying your chances are better if you go with names like this. Right? If the name is there, then that is the name that we can support, inshallah. That's if the way, perhaps you want to go the way of quality. They're charging a bit more of a price. But they're putting you in a, in a better hotel and they're putting you closer to Makkah, whatever your story is. And there's no problem in going to Azizia. There is no problem with that. The quality will actually improve 
And the only thing is you're going to have to take a shuttle. But if you take the shuttle in the morning, even before Fajr or whatever the story, you can remain there the whole day and still have your five waktus. I see a problem here. You can be tilleli haram and be tislam dana, the word, no problem. Das plikke fab, das as plikke fab, alles. Ga niemand gaf jou wegzag nie. And Allah knows best. So if you work a system out, you can still do whatever you need to do. So maybe you're going the quality route, maybe those guys are the quality people. Maybe you want to go the affordable route. That's why organizations like Shidmatul Awam exist. So they are the benchmark when it comes to the lowest. Anything significantly lower than that is a problem. I want to conclude by with a statement by Munadia Karan on Voice of the Cape's website. Just working for a hut operator for a few years does not mean you have the skills to deal with the business end of things. Just working with a hut operator for a few years does not mean you have the skills to deal with the business end of things. Let's say that simpler. Just being a mutawif, a matuf, before that, you were not dealing with the money. You were just taking the people around for ziyarat, or yapping them with the tawaf, etc., etc. That's why your name is matuf. Mutawif. Tawaf are you tawifu? To yap people make tawaf. That is what you are. I personally asked to my people to make tawaf. Okay, we gave it a new name. Spiritual guide. Spiritual guide, but kill a deal with money. Maybe we should have stuck with spiritual guide. And Allah knows best. I conclude with this, inshallah. I make dua that this never happens again. But deep down, we know it's probably going to happen again. But if we can't save everybody, at least start by saving yourself. Learn. Learn. Luqman, according to many ulama, is a nabi, is called the wise in the Quran. Why was he known as the wise? Because he learned from the mistakes of others. He didn't wait till it happened to him. If you are a normal person, you will learn from your own mistake. If it already happened to you and it happened to you again, whoa, then I don't know what to call you. The Prophet of Allah says in one hadith, the Muslim is buttoned from one hole only once. The Muslim is never buttoned from one hole more than once. Then you must know that hole is a snake. Stay away from the hole. When you get buttoned from that same hole twice, you are not worthy of the title Mu'min. Because it's fakir, may you call. Allahu Akbar. Aqulu qawli adha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li sahirin muslimin wa muslimin. Fa astaghfiruhu.